Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Command Partners, the top full-service crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped raise over $70 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by The Gadget Flow, a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. The Gadget Flow is the ultimate buyer's guide for cool luxury gadgets and creative gifts. To learn more, visit thegadgetflow.com. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I'm joined by Andrew Jong with the Superbook. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Roy, thanks for having us. So you guys are absolutely crushing it with this Superbook. Please give our audience the uh, overall gist of what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the Superbook is a shell. It's a laptop shell that transforms your Android smartphone into a complete laptop. And we essentially use the power of your smartphone and then our hardware device to give you essentially a replacement for your laptop. So anything that you can do on a regular laptop, you can do on the Superbook. Um, and it all costs $99. Dude, this, this is ridiculous technology. But, but before we kind of dive into this, let's, uh, let's take a trip back maybe a couple years ago when you guys first tried to launch the Andromium dock. It only worked with a few different smartphones. And basically, you had to hook it up with your own keyboard, monitor, and mouse. You guys weren't successful on that first go around. What what were some of the things that you learned when you first launched that campaign? Yeah, I mean, when when we first launched that campaign in uh, in late 2014, it was really a well, this is a cool technology. Let's put it out there and see how you know the, the Kickstarter community responds. And, and we got some reaction. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I, I think we were only I think we were fell short by about thirty five thousand dollars of our hundred thousand dollar goal. Um, but we didn't do any preparation this time. Having learned the experience from you know the the, the last failure, um, we did a lot of work. We put in you know we started three four months before the campaign um, and put a lot of effort into it and uh, and it paid off. I'll say you guys are you know over one point four million right now, trending at around three million. You guys are kicking butt right now. What were some of the you know learning? Mistakes, I guess, things that you guys had learned from uh, from the original campaign. You know, you had mentioned that you started a few months out in terms of getting this going. I mean, how are you able to create, you know, this awesome super book for under a hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, well, that that was probably most of the work for the last, um, you know, year and a half, two years. Was we spent a lot of time perfecting the software. And honestly, if you think about the hardware, our hardware is think of it as just as a you know a screen, a, a keyboard, a, a trackpad, and a battery. Right, put together, and when you look at the cost of laptops, they're going down uh, quite a lot. And what we simply did was strip out all the unnecessary parts and use what probably is one of the most powerful computers that you use on a regular basis, which is your smartphone. And most people don't know this, but smartphones have gotten so powerful that you know the most recent uh, iPhone success is more powerful processor-wise than the 2015 MacBook. I mean, we're at a point where. The smartphone can do pretty much everything, and what's missing is the form factor, like the physical form factor, as well as uh, kind of the software. And so that's what we wanted to provide. So, what made you decide Android over Apple then? Yeah, that was. I mean, like uh, you know, for for us, it was much more of a what's more feasible decision. Apple, unfortunately, iPhones are a lot harder to work with, and 
It's a closed ecosystem. Android, as you know, is a lot more open, a lot easier to work with, you know, being open sourced, kind of its history. It was much easier to make work for what we wanted to do. And then when you really think about it, the world of, of, of smartphones is 82% Android. And most people that tell this to are pretty surprised. But outside the US, it's something close to, you know, like 90% of smartphone owners use a Android device. Yeah, I feel like the minority in my office, everybody here has Apples. I'm one of the few people with the Android devices. Same here, same here. It's, uh, it's definitely an Apple world here. But, you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves in is being able to provide an affordable solution for, you know, work and productivity and learning for everywhere, right? For the developing world, for countries that are very much mobile first. And, you know, we, we've had partnerships with, um, one of the partnerships we have for our campaign, which, you know, we personally love is working with the Nelson Mandela Foundation to be able to provide our super books to kids in South Africa in schools because they all have mobile phones, but what they don't have is the, you know, the larger interface to, to learn, um, to learn on. Absolutely. No, you guys are doing quite a lot of good right now with partnering with the Nelson Mandela Long Walk for Freedom Education Project, you know, putting these educational apps and tools on these super books, obviously trying to enable users the ability to, you know, learn and be productive on a whole new level. So, you know, great work on that. Let's jump back again, just because, you know, for our audience, we don't get the opportunity many times to interview people that have failed the first time and come back and absolutely kicked butt on their on their relaunch. So when your project ended the first time and it was unsuccessful, what happened next? I mean, did you guys start immediately working on the next iteration, reviewing what didn't work? You know, talk to our community about that a little bit, because I think it's an interesting question and dynamic that many of our campaigners aren't aware of. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I call it fortunate now, but at the time, you know, we were pretty bummed and kind of in the postmortem, once you get to the point where you can, you know, take a look back, uh, you look at why it failed. And, and part of it was a, pro- a, a product uh, issue, right? Our doc, uh, as you call it, would, would only be able to work with certain types of phones. It required you to bring a lot. Plus, you know, we were quickly moving towards a world where no one wants to bring their own you know, monitor and keyboard or, or, or mouse. Um, and especially as we started getting feedback from users, one of the things that we consistently heard was, well, if I have to get all these things together, this just doesn't seem worth it. And then that's when we started to start working on, on the hardware side of how do we fit this all together? And, and luckily for us, the, you know, the technology for putting together laptops is, is pretty well known. The, the main challenge that we had was we were working with a technology that started uh, was starting to get outdated. Um, and that's, you know, for, for those of you that are familiar with it, um, it's called MHL. And that was a technology that was supporting the last dock. And we quickly moved to a newer technology called DisplayLink um, that could work with most modern Android devices. And that's what's really exciting is now, the Superbook not only doesn't require you to bring anything really with it, it's plug and play. But it also works with all modern Android devices because of the underlying USB technology. So we don't have to, you know, specify certain phones. We can say, if you have a phone that, you know, you've purchased in the last couple of years, chances are you can use it with the Superbook. So how did, what was the conversation then or process that, that it took you from the dock to the Superbook? You know, I, I'll be honest. I think, I think when we originally built the dock, it was just the easiest way to go to market, you know, we looked at how much time it would take to put together the uh, the laptop, and we kind of knew we always wanted to get to the Superbook or some iteration of the Superbook. But the technology was actually really hard. 
And so after we failed, you know, we had support from our, our investors, our friends, basically just had the time to, to really focus on delivering a good product. And the nice thing is, you know, the other fortunate thing that we got from the first Kickstarter failure was a really great community. We had thousands of people reach out and say, Hey, like what you guys are doing is great. Here's some feedback to, you know, hopefully make it better. But they stayed along with us throughout the entire, you know, year and a half. Um, that we were building up uh, the Superbook and gave us really great feedback. Our, our users, I would say, being able to build that community not only helped us build the next product, but on our launch day, we had a ton of people from from our old mailing lists um, just come back on on like the moment that our campaign launched to get the Superbook. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Andrew. I mean, talking about the community, how did you involve them you know from the first campaign into designing the superbook and then how did you you know constantly keep up with your communication to that community over the last 18 plus months you know a lot of it we had a forum set up for people to to chat with us uh you know people regularly sent emails to support uh, our support email um and i think four months out was when we really started to to re-engage and and we had we actually had up until that point, not really had like a um, full demo. But once we started having like pictures of what it looked like, you know, a small demo of some component parts working together, um, people started getting really excited. And then when we first, you know, I would say in terms of community building, we actually had posted a, uh, a test post on the, the Android subreddit back a few months ago and uh without really expecting anything and that took off uh we were on the front page of of the at least the android subreddit for for quite a while um and it drove a lot of people actually to to join our community over the course of the last few months we've been you know kind of slowly emailing people giving them bits of you know information about the product itself and also getting a lot in return in terms of their feedback awesome yeah being on the front page of reddit is obviously a nice traffic driver especially when you got something as cool as this in terms of the community, I mean, how did you guys decide what features were most important to add to the Superbook then? Was it based on community feedback? There was, there was a bit. I mean, honestly, you know, I think we took a look at like what, what people, what our users were putting together on their own. And, uh, and a lot of, a lot of our users are actually outside of the US. A lot of our users are in, you know, uh, fairly low GDP per capita countries where, you know, what they need is very different from, you know, I would say people that are in, at least in Silicon Valley, but probably, you know, in, in the more developed countries, which is that they don't need like really high end specs. And, and a lot of, you know, what we tried to do was create a really affordable product so that the users that we were really close to could easily pick one up, right? And, and fill their needs. But also even for like the, you know, the, the super techie high end users that want a lot of specs, this is almost an introduction to what you know, the device convergence feels like. And, and what we want to be able to do is to allow everyone to get one, try it out, know that there's such a convenience to having everything in one computer. And then, you know, we can come out with higher spec versions um, later down the line. So we noticed that you guys reduced your funding goal on this campaign from the first one. Was there any reason for that other than you potentially, you know, had some more insights into the community and wanted to raise a little bit more money potentially? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think this time, you know, we had a lot of advice on how to run a crowdfunding campaign. Last time it was, you know, a let's put it out there and see what happens. Um, this time we were fortunate enough to get 
help from the, you know, the, um, the, the, the Pebble guys, uh, and a few others that like ran really successful Kickstarter campaigns. Um, you know, I, I think we spent a lot more time on, you know, the, the video and outreach to people, um, so that we were prepared on the first day. And one of the things that, you know, I think everyone will tell you is it's not your starting goal that, that really makes the, the, the story. And especially, you know, I, I would give this advice to anyone that's starting a Kickstarter campaign is that the, you know, the, the public goal should be a lot less than your internal goal because what you want to do is, uh, you know, try to meet your, and, and I'll be perfectly honest, we were not expecting to do so well, but the goal was to at least try to hit our public goal within the first day. Yeah, that's definitely the key. But obviously, you guys blew that out of the water. I think overfunding it three or four hundred percent, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the first in the first hour, we we're blown away. Uh, it was uh, I, <laughs> I actually, I actually remember launching it and then sitting next to uh, my co-founder Gordon, and you know, we're, I was saying I, we were just trying to execute on our plan because we had all these things where, like, all right, after the we had you know a list after the campaign launched, we emailed these people. We write to these people, you know, we, we publish, um, we were, we're doing an AMA on Reddit. Um, you know, we were launching on all these different things and all that went out the window because immediately people started backing it, um, and writing questions and messages. And all of a sudden we were inundated and, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. That's a beautiful thing about million dollar campaigns, Andrew. The, uh, the, the feedback is ridiculous at times where you're getting hundreds of requests that are coming in and. It can obviously take a, a Zendesk support ticket system needed at, at some points. Yeah, yeah. We we actually, uh, you know, I've used Zendesk before. We we were lucky enough. One of my uh, one of my former, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who had gone through an accelerator with me started a company called Front, and uh, you know, we use it for kind of collaborative emailing, and basically everything comes in there, like the the Facebook uh, requests, the Twitter requests, the you know, emails to our support tickets and even all the Kickstarter comments and messages. And, you know, it took a team of basically we had a bunch of our friends also help us on campaign day, but like four or five people just constantly answering requests. Uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy, but I'll be honest, there's, there was, there's no other feeling like it. <laughs> no, I'm sure, man. And, and congrats on the success. So given that, what advice, and I know you've already given some, some nuggets to some of our campaigners, what advice would you give to someone? Who's coming off a failed Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think anyone that's coming off of a, a failed Kickstarter campaign that still has the the runway and the path to you know work on their product it has been given a gift. You know, they've gotten a lot of feedback from their community. They've actually probably grown a community of people who have you know wanted to back them, and those people I think will be your biggest advocates uh, moving forward. I, I think, you know, certainly for us, uh, you know, engaging with those people after the, the campaign, you can still message people through Kickstarter's platform, even if your campaign doesn't succeed, you know, is, is really, really critical. And it just helps you kind of figure out who your audience is. And I think one of the things that we did this time was after a good understanding of exactly who our most supportive backers were, you know, both from our original campaign and, and all the interest we got after, we were able to try to find that community out, you know, in the, in the open internet, you know, whether it was on Reddit or through Facebook, you know, looking for Android communities. By building up our own internal community, it actually made it a lot more possible for us to, you know, to have the people that were looking to support us on day one. And as most people that have run Kickstarters will tell you that that day one engagement is incredibly, incredibly important for everything. Absolutely. No, it's critical, as you mentioned. 
So what's next? I mean, where are you guys headed at once this campaign concludes? Uh, I mean, I I have a uh, I have a flight in like 24 hours. I'm heading to China. I mean, we're we know what we need to do uh, at this point. We are gonna you know get to work uh, starting to manufacture the product. We have a decent sense of how many units we're gonna need for the Kickstarter campaign, and uh, we're we're getting to work. There's a ton of work to do both on the you know the hardware and the software side, but but that's you know kind of the, the exciting thing is now we get to fulfill uh, fulfill our community's demand. Do you think you're going to have an issue with that, given that you're probably going to have over 10,000 orders? You know, that was a lot of people have asked us that. And actually, what's funny is for most laptop manufacturers, and granted, we're really excited we're going to be able to ship out, you know, at least 10,000 units of of the Superbook. But for most laptop manufacturers, 10,000 units is table stakes. It's it's what it takes to to at least start playing. Right. If we were coming in with a lot less than that, you know, we, we would be able to get a small manufacturer to, to produce the product. But for most mid and large size manufacturers, they're producing hundreds of thousands of units of, of, you know, similar to laptop devices. And so it won't be a problem because those people, you know, those companies have a lot of experience. They produce, you know, hundreds of thousands of shipments per year. And the nice thing about us and what we do is, you know, I think most of the hardware process has already been figured out. So we're, we're fairly confident we can deliver on time. Awesome. Andrew, this gets us into our launch round where I rapid fire questions at you. You good to go? Uh, let's do it. All right. So what, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Parents, I think my parents were both, uh, you know, uh, very entrepreneurial in themselves. And, you know, you, you, get the, you get the thing when you're younger and they say, you can do whatever you want. And so, you, of course, you believe it. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to meet with? Oh, man, I, I'm still hoping this happens. I want to meet with Bill Gates. All right. So what, what's your first question for Mr. Gates? First question is definitely what he thinks about the future. I, you know, that, that's any, any visionary, you want to hear what they think 10, 20 years out so you can, uh, you can follow them along. What, uh, what books on your nightstand or what book are you taking on your flight to China? Uh, <laughs> I will say I'm not taking any books on my flight to China. I am taking a giant pillow so I can get a very well-deserved, uh, well, hopefully well-deserved nap. But the one that I'm reading right now is actually a pretty old book called The Power of Habit. Really, really interesting book by, uh, I think it's like Charles Duggan. Definitely. Uh, what would you say your biggest weakness is? At this point, I think our, our <laughs> my biggest weakness is just not being able to not respond whenever someone writes something on the internet about us. Uh, <laughs> I've been waking up at five or six in the morning, checking our messages. And if there's something on there where there's a question or, or something about, you know, the super bug, I am right on it. And, uh, it annoys the, the crap out of my girlfriend. Well, the internet's a big place, right? Absolutely. That was also a very fun learning. The, uh, the internet is filled with really, really wonderful, gracious people. And it's also the home to a lot of, uh, more interesting characters. Well said, sir. Uh, so where do you see yourself in five years? You know, uh, doing, doing this and hopefully launching a, a much larger line of, uh, of superbooks. And, and, you know, here's the thing. We expect that the smartphone processors to continuously get more powerful. And we expect fewer and fewer people to have a need to buy a laptop. And in fact, you know, most of your listeners, if you think about it, the amount of time you spend on your laptop is probably shrinking over time as you start doing more on your, uh, on your smartphone. We hope that by the time that we're fully launched, a lot more people will no longer buy their laptop and instead, you know, use their smartphone to, to, to do everything. 
Awesome. Last question. What do you think the future of crowdfunding looks like? I think the future of crowdfunding is a lot more professional. I know I, I don't mean it in a it's not professional now. What I mean is like, you know, I remember crowdfunding a few years ago and it was very different. The landscape was not filled with as many vendors and providers. And, you know, we've gotten pitched by hundreds of people that are either consultants or their their technology services or distributors. And it's gotten to the point where if you want to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign, you need to do a lot of work. And so I can definitely see it being much more of a like a real thing, uh, a real professional service versus a, you know, hey, I made something cool and throw it up on the internet. Absolutely. No, we've made our living the last five years providing professional services for these campaigns. But uh, Andrew, you guys are absolutely kicking butt. You've done a great job on the podcast. Please give our listeners all about your pitch. Tell us what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should go buy a Superbook. Absolutely. So yeah, you know, our our, crowdfund, our Kickstarter for the Superbook is live. Uh, we turn your Android smartphone into a complete laptop solution. You can find us on Kickstarter, search for the Superbook, or our website at getsuperbook.com. Andrew, you've been great. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all of the show notes, a full transcript, and links to everything that we talked about today, plus an extra coupon code for the gadget flow. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes and our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. If you've loved this episode, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help build your business. If you need a more hands-on crowdfunding strategy, please feel free to request a quote on commandpartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you soon.